Oh yeah, it is another edition of Extra Bases with Bristol and Booth. I don't remember when the last one was, but I do. <laughs> when was it? Three weeks ago. It was three weeks ago, and um, I, you know, yeah, it was three weeks ago. I mean, I, I remember because we said we were back on like the bi-weekly podcast, and like you know, I thought we were on thing. weekly at that point. We, yeah, but you know, you cra- you said you cracked a joke. It stuck with me, hurt my feelings a little bit. You said bi-weekly, you know, and now we're back on we're on the weekly, and so now we're on the monthly. You know, we're back on the monthly. It's all right. Yeah, it's I don't right. I don't like monthly. But what a, what what a day though to come back because it has just been announced or at least reported, I should say, by Evan Drellick and Ken Rosenthal. Rent And what a day to be back because it was just reported by Evan Drellick and Ken Rosenthal that in 2023 expect the introduction of a pitch clock a ban on the defensive shift and larger bases for the season as we are expecting a vote at noon Eastern, a vote in which the league ultimately has the power to push through the changes it wants. The big one is the defensive shift. How will this change the game as we know it? So before we talk about how it's going to change the game, and I know that was the question, I got to bring up, this is an indictment of the way that we swing the bat today to be able to do this, right? This is, the, and 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 I say we, and I really mean they, because there's lots of people on the we side that said, yeah, you know what? Trying to yank is the ball as far as you can and swing straight up through a silo. It doesn't make any sense. And, you know, we're going to strike out a lot. We're going to swing and miss a lot. We're going to hit ground balls to short a lot. We're going to, you know, that's what we're going to do. How about don't do it? Then there was other people that said, no, nah, that's a good idea. We're going to go ahead and do that. And so Major League Baseball has said, well, since y'all can't get your act together and figure it out on the development side, we're going to go ahead and force people to stay where they are to try to put offense back in the game. Because as the video said one time, or the commercial said with Maddox and I want to say it was Glavin, right? Chicks dig the long ball. Well, you know what? Everybody digs base hits. Like nobody likes outs. You know what I mean? So unless you're a pitcher. So it's I, I actually think it's necessary. Am I for it? I think it's a sad day that we have to have it. Um it's going to get more hits back in the game, but it's going to just kind of, for, you know, people are going to have to um, hitters are going to have to make some kind of adjustment. Defenses will still have to play a little different, uh, but they won't be able to stack up on one side of the field. And then collectively guys in the middle, this, this idea that we don't have to be as athletic and fast and versatile because we can position guys differently in the second base and the short, you're going to see the athleticism. And that's look, that's not an indictment of the guys playing short. It's, it's a little bit of an indictment of the guys making that decision. You're going to see the athleticism come back in the game in the middle of the diamond, and that's going to be fun. So I, I, sadly, it's a move that might be necessary, but it'll force people to play the game better. Under the proposed shift restrictions, a minimum of four players besides the pitcher and catcher would have both feet completely in front of the outer bond boundary of the infield dirt. Two fielders would need to be entirely on either side of second base. Is it possible then that you could move an outfielder over? I mean, you you could, but with the way they're swinging, they hit the ball in the air. I don't think that's a good idea. I mean, what you, what you may see is that the second baseman or the shortstop, whichever shift they're playing, is going to be as far over as they can. You're still going to see some shift. It's just not extreme where you're stacking on one side of the diamond, right? So let's just say it's a right hand hitter. You may see the first baseman off the line, fine. You may see the second baseman on the second base side of the bag, but still in the middle, and the shortstop and third baseman stacked. And so their hole, there'll be a hole somewhere, but who knows where, right? When it comes to the 
Other side, you flip it. Shortstop is by the second base bag, just happens to be on the shortstop side. Third baseman gives up the line. You know, it's 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 a little bit of, a, of an adjustment. It, it's going to force guys to, to, to swing the bat a little bit different, but it's really, again, it's just an indictment of what um, has happened before. So when you have um, – what's happening today when you have those infielders you could bring an outfielder in there man you put a pitcher out there you could take it somebody else from catcher's gear and put them up behind second base i mean technically it just said infielders you know what i mean so uh we'll see where that goes but i don't think it's a good idea to, to do it that way fearless prediction will the result be what major league baseball is hoping for yeah yeah it's gonna i mean more hits i mean again i think everybody's looking at um you know, and I think we'd be remiss if we didn't talk about the differences in Joey Gallo in, in L.A., right? So if Joey Gallo right now is the poster child for lift and separate and yank and pull to the, you know, as hard as you can and swing and miss and, you know, hit, you know, .050 in, in New York and he goes to L.A. and they're like, hey, man, you know what? Stop it. I mean, that's basically what happened. Like, you know, what? see this over here in New York, this swing, this one get, stop it. Let's not just do that anymore because it doesn't work. You know, let's go do something that works. Let's stay direct to the ball. Let's find some results, have better contact. And by the way, better contact means better results unless, you know, the game has changed in the last four seconds. You know, so I don't um, I think that that those type of approaches coupled with what MLB is doing is going to bring the shift the game back to where it never should have left, but did. And you'll see the, the exact results that Major League Baseball is looking for happen. I give Joey Gallo a lot of credit because, A, to make – that much of a change in your philosophy so quickly and then to implement it. I mean, to, he, he's been playing one way for how many years and now to basically, I don't want to say a do, do a 180, but I think that gives you some sense of the ability that Joey Gallo has that I don't want to say he flipped the switch, but Jeremy, he's taken to this, this new idea or this new, what would you call it? New philosophy, new, he's taken to it pretty quickly. No. Yeah. You know, my, um, to me, this underscores how special an athlete he is and that major league players are as a rule, right. To be able to make these type of adjustments as quickly as they can. It also shows you his mind was ready for a change and if mental becomes physical. So he was able to apply this mentally, Put it out there physically, and 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 off we go. Right. Credit to the Dodgers organization, who is, and and you know this is hard to say because I hate to say this about the Yankees, but I'm going to have to say it. They're the um, man. They're just the polar opposite of what player development's like in New York, and I mean, you know, the Yankees polar opposite. I mean, you've got one organization that does it year in and year out, reaches the postseason, gets to the World Series, you know, and the real gripe with the Dodgers is probably how they game manage in the World Series a little bit. That's the gripe, right? But when it, whoever that's coming from, that's the issue. It sure as heck is not development. It's not scouting. It's not how they put their rosters together. That's all more than fine, right? And the resources that go with it. And you think somebody like the uh, New York Yankees would look further than hit strikes hard, but they don't do that. They're back on hit strikes hard. And you get Gallo out to the West Coast. He's like, man, I'm a hit. I'm just going to go do this. I'm going to hit. And so it's credit to Joey Gallo. It's a credit to the Dodgers organization. Um, and it's a credit to the collective uh, process that gets results, you know, rather than uh, a process that's just called a process. And I, I know that this is where I would usually take a breath. 
but I'm not going to because I'm gonna point out somebody on his team who's doing the opposite of that. Okay. And this is how player owned this stuff really is, right? You talk about the organization all you want. It's player owned. Cody Bellinger is not doing this. Okay. And if Cody Bellinger took what Gallo was doing mentally and tried to apply it, you would find a better result for Cody Bellinger as well. I'm all for the pitch clock. I'm all for the pitch clock. And I'm wondering if just by doing that, you would pick up the pace and the shift would not necessarily, banning the shift would not necessarily need to take place if you are increasing the pace of the game. Because some of these games, I think Major League Baseball has actually done a pretty good job this year. The games seem shorter to me on a whole than they did last year. And in, and in fact, talking to at least one major leaguer I know, he seemed to agree that the games don't seem as long this year. So I'm wondering just picking up the pace would then make things a little bit more sensible and you wouldn't need to ban the shift. Well, but you know, I, I'm here, guessing you don't feel that that you you feel that the shift needs to be there needs to be done there needs to be something done about the shift. Well, I, I agree with you on both counts. I, I don't. Well, I'll go back to the, the beginning. You said the games are quicker. Um, I think they're being played more efficiently. I think that's part of it, right? Um, and that makes things move faster. Action makes things move faster. What you've got with the pitch clock and the shift is is kind of again, it's an indictment of how we're developing players, no matter what, what we want to say, that's what it is. These things were never needed before. It's an indictment of that. What you have is a bunch of players who have been taught to live in a laboratory. Now I am, again, I, this is so hard to say, cause I don't want to paint everywhere with a broad brush. Like I don't want to do that. And it, cause it's not that way for certain guys who are action oriented, keep it moving, have good focus. We've been very fortunate here in Houston, um, starting with the Bobby Heck regime of drafting players and, and, and with the international signs, um, uh, that you know, Oswald Campo and his his crew has done uh, to get guys over here. The free agent trades that Luno and Elias and company did, as well as the you know, I think there's three draft picks that actually hit that Mike had in seven years. You know, so I mean, you know, when you put when you put all that together, um, you know, you watch how this how this how this has has evolved. You've been very fortunate to watch a ball club in several different stages become a very good one now for about a decade. Right. That's fun to be a part of. It's fun to see from any angle for the city and for all the front offices that did it. But those guys weren't developed this way. And if they came to Houston developed like that, they were changed. They were modified. They were adjusted. And so to put these rules in is, again, it's an indictment of that. So you need the pitch clock because the laboratory culture says, I'll throw as hard as you can, walk around the mound, shake your arm out, do the hokey pokey and turn yourself around. I mean, that's that's what they do. And then the the, the hitting is, oh, man, <sighs> I'm swing as hard as I can. Oh, cage bomb. Well, that's good. Let's go back to it. You know, and so you have these swings and misses and foul balls. And I don't know, there was a big leaguer, ex-big leaguer name is Nelson Simmons. Um, remember from way back in the day, we used to call him Debo in the clubhouse. Debo. Okay. And Debo said to me one time, I was just a little late, just a little late. And I was I was late a lot because just what happened, just we're not gonna go there. But I, you know, I was a little late. And he said, you know what you got? You got a case of almost osmosis. And I was like, what's almostis? And he goes, You almost got there. <laughs> it goes, it's happening a lot. It's afflicting everybody. Almost got there. Almost is, you know, we have a lot of guys with almost in the big leagues right now. So, um, 
it's it's been you know it, this is needed sadly and i know that if i was I, I, the players union is probably upset that it's been needed they're trying to affect things obviously in a positive way developmentally but um you know reach their membership on that it's needed for now are this is this permanent i would bet the pitch clock is probably permanent okay the shift i don't know if the shift is going to be permanent later because it's really not such a huge ban it's just you can only go so far so we're calling it a shift ban. That's not it. You can still shift. You can only just only go so far. You know what I mean? So we'll see where we'll see where that goes. But I bet the pitch clock is permanent and it's needed. Get the ball, get back on the mound. Let's go. Where did you play with Nelson Simmons? He was your teammate. The teammate. Yeah. Where? Yeah. When? Uh, uh, Nineteen ninety-eight. In the Western League. Tri City Posse. Wow, I remember Nelson Simmons when he was a hot shot prospect coming up. Yeah, early to mid '80s power hitter. Yeah, D- Debo. Debo was all right. Hit 22 bombs in 307 for Evansville <laughs> in Double A. No, Triple A. I'm sorry, American Association. Wow. You know, it's also interesting around here in Houston. Houston has promoted two of its better prospects, and I would argue its top two prospects: Yainer Diaz, the catcher slash yep. first baseman, and Hunter Brown the hard-throwing right-handed pitcher. And it's interesting to me to see Astros Twitter talking about that basically the farm system, forget the experts, they don't know what they're talking about. It just seems like every single time the Astros bring somebody up, we've got this major league guy. They keep churning out talent. The system's not down. This is like Astros Twitter talking. What That says something about these analysts. They don't know what they're talking about. Here's one right here. It's wild to me that since the farm system started falling out of favor in the various rankings, ignoring all of their players entirely, the Astros have called up an entire starting rotation that other teams would kill for, and none of them are named Whitley. I don't uh, I don't pay attention, Astros. Ratings forget that whole system, team records, etc., is irrelevant. Developing only a few players is what matters. The major league club will only have a few spots. Pitching is most important. Astros have done well there. That the pitching is important, but draft bats by arms. But go ahead. Um, I don't. I don't pay attention to. I mean, I'm glad you do. I don't pay attention to Astros Twitter. I mean, they kind of lost me when they. They got upset about giving Bobby Heck credit for the players that his group signed. That's when they got mad. That's when they lost me. Now, as far as the knowledge, you know, they're not wrong. It would appear this way if you're looking at it from a um, rose-colored glasses view. But having one, two, three, or four guys in a system of 150 doesn't make you a good system. Now, Hunter Brown um, has a humongous arm. It's it's a good arm. We, we talked about that's a great that. success story. Fifth round out of a small school in Michigan. Yeah. Yeah. We talked about, but you can find pitching all over the draft too. Right. I mean, we talked about that before. Um, we're looking at, uh, at a guy who's got a chance to be pretty good where he fits. We talked about this coming out of the futures game where he fits is going to be interesting. He's going to start because he needs to start. Is he best in the back of the bullpen? I don't know. Lance McCullers, um, you know, I think the, said this from the beginning, he can start, um, he's proven he can start at this point in his career. He's proven he can take the ball whenever, you know, he, it's up to him to dictate his career, but he was, be, he would have been a hall of fame closer. I mean, it would have been like, he might not have passed Rivera on saves, you know, and I know that's big to say, but had he taken the ball at the back end of the game, his stuff, look, 
it, it's his 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 tenacity, his tempo. Same thing with Hunter Brown. You know what I mean? So we'll see where that falls with him. He can start. Where is he going to be a better fit? I don't know. He has lots of time to prove it. He just got here. Um, from a standpoint of Diaz, Diaz can play. I mean, Diaz can play, he just can play. And that's a good player. But Corey Lee just got here too. And let's not forget Seth Beer and Corey Lee and J.B. Bukowskis. Now, I know a couple of those guys aren't here anymore, but let's not start acting like the Astros have it all figured out. Have they been better? Yeah. Chris Gross and company absolutely did a good job this year in the draft. They did a good job. And I've had the man walk up to me on the field And I'm just going to say he did a good job. I, I like Chris. I really do. I do. I like him. I think he's a good guy. You know, he's, um, but I told him then that I was going to be honest about what I thought. I'm not going to, you know, if I hurt some feelings, like I said, toughen up, man. I mean, it's, you know, I have that, that, that gift, Charmin, you can see with the, with the, you know, I have that toughen up. Drew Gilbert's a good sign. The draft they did this year is a much better draft they had overall. But let's not act like the system has produced these, these world beaters in the last five years. It's a player here, a player there. And the players that have been shipped out have not performed other places. They have not performed. Jose Siri in Tampa. I know why Tampa wanted him. How's he doing? Okay. You got the guys in the center field here, McCormick. And who's the other one? It's uh, Chaz McCormick. Who's the other guy? Jake, uh, what's his name? Myers. You know, Jake Myers. Yep. Both guys are platoon guys. They're not everyday players. You know, the 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 guys in the field in the, in the big league club that they've got here. Mancini's a trade. Guriel's a free agent sign. Altuve's homegrown. Uh, Pena's homegrown. Will be something. We'll, we'll see. Might might be. He's not going to be Correa. It might be something. But we'll see. You've got Bregman, who's who's Alex, right? Catching. Other than Diaz, that's bought. That was paid for. That's free agency. Um, pitching, they have some guys in the mound that are homegrown. Have some guys trade, trade and free agency for. Yeah, I mean Alvarez is Alvarez is a trade for Josh yep. Fields. Brantley was a free agent sign. I mean, let's come on now. Let's get off. Let's get off this system deal. One or two guys to augment are good. So really, it's your pitchers. It's Fromber, it's Urquidy, Luis Garcia. That's what that's what they produced, and, and we've said got. it before. We've said it before. Thank goodness for that international That's that right. international crew of scouts because they would be, especially two years ago, they'd be in a world of hurt without those guys. Yeah, I mean, there was a time when 95% of the team on the field here, not too long ago, was homegrown. That's not the case now. You have four or five guys, five guys if you, you know, maybe six if you count all of the pitchers, you know. So let's let this play out a little bit. Six out of 26 is not a ton. Seven out of 27, uh, 26 is not a ton. Um Let's let's understand it takes a, a bigger collection of players to get that the Astros have had some resources to be able to do that. They've had some astute people to be able to go sign free agents and to use the analytics to get deeper in, in hidden assets. That's absolutely true. Um, waiver claims have been great. Jordan Alvarez might be the steal of, the, of, of the last 25 years. I mean, that's that's huge what they did. That might be David Ortiz good. You know, that's a good, that's a really, really, really Jeff good Bagwell, job. Larry Anderson, good. Those are great jobs of going to get people in the system that uh, the organizations didn't know what they had. And that's, and you know, it happens. But uh, for as far as uh, the player development, homegrown system, they're still very, very, very light. I just looked up Jose's series numbers. He's picked it up a little bit. He's at 263 
in 32 games with 36 strikeouts. I mean, Jose Siri is what Jose Siri is. That's right. right. He's in a place that needs him to go play center field. He's going to do that. Any kind of production with the bat above 250 is great. I know people, oh, we're still talking batting average. Guys, batting average is the biggest component of on-base percentage. Okay, so, yeah, that batting average matters. He's doing what he needs to do over there. Is that going to carry a club? No, he's a big leaguer that's going to help them on their club win. Could he help here in Houston? Yeah, but it was they need to get something back. So they did that. 714 OPS, which is uh, one of the higher marks of his career thus far. Good for him. Yeah, good for him. Good for him. And then you have Drew Gilbert, the first-round pick of the Astros. You mentioned how good of a draft that was this past season. He's out with an injury, and I can think of one right off the top of my head. Kyle Lewis, who was a first-round pick of the Mariners, obviously. He was hurt like three or four games into his professional career. I believe uh, a play at home plate busted up his leg. Drew Gilbert now has a forearm contusion and uh, dislocated right elbow that spon- uh, spontaneously went back uh, into place. And they said that they'll need, uh, Drew Gilbert will need surgery on his right elbow. Uh, is there a cause for concern about that, Jeremy, in terms of the injury itself? I mean, you never want to see the fact that it popped back into place is unique um, by itself, at least for me. Um, I don't. Um, you never want to see guys get hurt this early on. It's not a good start. Um, you know, I, to me, there's a little bit of, of omens sometimes with stuff like that that you don't want to have happen. We had DJ Peterson. You mentioned Kyle Lewis. We had DJ Peterson in Seattle. Got hit in the face. Never was the same guy, you know, early on. So, um, you know, you, you you don't want to see that happen. Drew is a high burn, high energy player. That means those guys get hurt more often. Just the way it works. They're going to get hurt because they're going to run into walls, you know, try to bring stuff back. They're going to, you know, electric, relentless, don't care what you talk, say about him, will to win. That's Drew Gilbert, right? And so he's made for for the Astros, really, especially with how much hate this team seems to get um, as a whole, which is another topic altogether that's not – it's still unnecessary for them to do that, but Drew's made for that. So um, is, it, is it a fun injury to see? No. Is it something you want to see? No. Let's just hope he comes back, right? So he comes back and he's healthy uh, and starts 2023 where he should. And we now have to end this podcast. We do hmm. this again. When will week. we get another one done, Jeremy? We, we, so we we can do this again next week. I, I am headed to Dallas for uh, Frisco, Texas, for the New Balance Baseball Future Star Series Underclass Elite. From there, I'm going to Boston for the New Balance Baseball Future Star Series main event. Uh, then I will be uh, off for a week. So we have three weeks we can do this. And then there's a little bit of an event after that in Arizona called the Fresh 50, University of Arizona. Uh, the broadcast crews for these are really – they're fun, man. This is going to be some good groups. Mike Farron, Jim Duquette, Lana Rizzo, Joe Painter-Lopez, Vic Rojas, of course. He's outstanding. Um, I'm going to fill in in a couple of spots. There's one more person I'm waiting on to be able to say something about, but you know, um, it's a, it's an, it's an award-winning mm-hmm. highly decorated cast of people at these different events. Um, you know, as, as, uh, as, as we roll on in the signature events of new balance baseball and program 15. So I, I'm excited for it. 
And then we got the Caribbean Classic after that. I will be doing that. That I'm going down there. I'm going to do it in both languages at the same time. I'm going to see if I can pull that off and speak Spanish from sure. the DR. But um, uh, and then we have, you know, we have the postseason. So it's going to be a little busy. We'll get to it next week. We'll get to it the week after. We'll, we'll, let's roll all the way through the playoffs. And, of course, we'll be together a lot here in person very soon. Having said that, time to sign off. Another episode of Extra Bases with Bristol and Booth.